Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Fuelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. You good? Good, because we got a show to do. And what a show it is. My guest in the ADD interview, you know him from the Hellboy movies. He also played the Silver Surfer in the Marvel movie, The Rise of the Silver Surfer. And he is Captain Saru on Star Trek Discovery. And his name is Doug Jones. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week. It goes on at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join our conversation. And I want to thank everybody on Talk To Me Tuesday who bought a T-shirt. Yes, they're very soft and clever. Yes, they're clever. Thank you. Thank you so much. My wife made them soft. (laughs) And Adam made them clever. I made them clever. Uh, We have, there's two available. One is uh, the Abbey Normal Recording Studios. Mm -hmm. I'm almost sure that was the name. Um, And the other one is uh, the pod is ended, go in peace. Which is a great motto for life. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great. So listen to this podcast for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like a good plan. Yeah. And uh, we want to give our superfan shout-out. Our superfan shout-out is for Jim Carter. Say hi to Jim, everybody. Hi, Jim. Okay, you know, I can't resist, Jim. Hey, Jimmy Carter, we got the ex-president on the line. That's great. Yes, it, that's exactly who it is, Mark. <laughs> He's sure holding. He never, sure he never gets tired of that. Either. Yeah, 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 thank God for pointing that out. <laughs> Jim, we're happy to have you, man. Thanks for listening, man. Yeah, really happy. So sorry about the, the hostage crisis didn't work out. <laughs> right, we know I'm you sorry. tried, Jimmy. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this Jimmy Carter, he's actually, uh, he's from Denmark. He's a friend of ours. And he writes to us that he loves us all, but he misses Phil being on full time. Uh, and so do we. Uh, I still don't get how Charlie Brown keeps falling for your Lucy antics, but keep it coming because I do laugh hysterically every time I hear it. Yeah, sadly, again, Phil is adrift, so he couldn't be here with us today. But I did speak to him and I said, look, man, we, we really love you and we miss you. And he told us, he told us all to go to hell. <laughs> He did not say to go to hell, Adam. I no, know that much. I know. He didn't. <laughs> I know. He didn't. But uh, he was in some distress, so I am very glad that I got a chance to talk to him because uh, I was worried about him. Mm-hmm. Um, no, what's going on? Uh, here's the phone call. I can't sleep. I'm having heart attacks. All right. Heart attacks. More than one. Yes. I've, I've had like two heart attacks in the past three days. Okay. He's had two heart attacks in the past three days. Yeah. Wait, there's more. Okay, you haven't had two heart attacks in three days. Tell me what's happening. I'm having a squeezing sensation below my chest, below my left breast, in center of my chest, the right, it's the right, right chest pain. It, it's horrible. I can't, I, I, I okay, can't okay, 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 okay. Ease, just calm down. Let me ask you something. Now, now your left breast—that that's the nice one, right? <laughs> okay, this is not a time for jokes and humor and mocking. All right, I'm serious. I'm having heart attacks. Jesus. <laughs> 
I don't know what to say. <laughs> what? You both are idiots. It's, it's not me. It's him. Oh, yeah. So you're just playing along with the idiot. Oh, look. I just... I su- you're, you're the lead idiot. <laughs> Why sorry. am I the lead idiot? Oh, what do you think? <laughs> oh, he's the one that thinks he's having multiple heart attacks and has one nice uh, breast. And so you're just being nice by taking advantage of that situation. Yes. <laughs> Right. Oh. He's the idiot. I'm just cashing oh, in. Okay, okay. Keep telling yourself that. <laughs> I'm having heart attacks. Look at this guy. He. Uh, it's a serious thing if you're having a heart attack. Honey, he's not having a heart attack. He's scaring himself to death. Okay. That's what he's doing. Okay. Yeah, listen. You're not having heart attacks. I'm, I'm stuck in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the ocean. There's no uh, There's no cardiologist out here. There's no cardiology center. I mean, I'm having a heart attack. Okay, 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 okay. Calm. See, see, he's 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 looking at his circumstances and he he's freaking himself out. He's living in fear. He's living in self-created fear because his mind is just going nuts. It's it's uh, what is it called? Going in circles. It's or? called Phil Tagliferi. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. He's just he's, he's just working himself up to a frenzy yeah. and and just going round and round in his brain. I mean, obviously these couldn't be heart attacks. Otherwise, he would be in a hospital. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. They would have, they would have helicoptered yeah. him he's out of there. He's stuck in a heart attack loop. Yeah, he's in the loop, and he mm-hmm. and he won't listen to me. I can't pull him out. So here's what I did to try and to try and make it better for him. Listen, you you got all kinds of people in your life. You got allergists. You got orthopedic surgeons. You got faith healers. You got a cardiologist. Yeah, Doctor Berger, call him. Yeah, call Berger. I'm sure he's going to love to see your name light up on his phone. <laughs> Oh, what a dick. Right? So, <laughs> so I figured, okay, let him hear from a professional. It'll make him feel better. Mm-hmm. That was my plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything went right for the plan, except I forgot the plan involved Phil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened? The X Factor. Yeah. <laughs> the X Factor. Yeah. What did Burgess say? I have acid reflux. <laughs> All right. What did you eat? <laughs> well, um, I had two bags of Oreos. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, no. That's what. Uh, grown yeah. man. He's a grown man. Yeah. Two bags of Oreos. And I feel bad. Yeah. I, I got. Why? Yeah. Acid reflux. I'm having a heart attack. No, you're not, Porky. You're eating two bags. I thought he was on a diet. Yeah, he was. And then something went wrong and he ate, he dove into two bags of Oreos. Oh, my goodness. He's a yo yo. Yeah. He's like, it's comfort food. I go, it ain't comfort food. It's killing you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and try some Nexium or Pepsi or Tums, something like that, Phil. Or don't eat two bags of Oreos. Yeah, Those would be yeah. my two solutions. There's that. I if, would start there. Yeah, you could start there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having a heart attack. No, you're not. You ate two bags of Oreos, you idiot. <laughs> well, they never bothered me before. <laughs> well, today's the day. Oh, man, what the. F- and I'm still, you know, he said, chances are, chances are it's not your heart. You know what I mean? That, that that's, just, that's like, you know, partly cloudy. You know what I mean? <laughs> See, he, he goes right back to it. He's like, he goes, chances, he finds something to flip out about again. He said, mm-hmm. well, chances are, you know, he said that. Of course, because you're on a phone call with him. You know? <laughs> so, so what do you think's underneath it? Why does he always go to... The worst case scenario. He's a lunatic. <laughs> That's why. No, he's he, it's conditioned. It, it's it's you know I I don't know I have it too. It's always you you. I think it's a protection thing. Like what could go wrong? Let me let me get there first. There is a thing where they say project the worst, mm-hmm. so then you're prepared, right for for the worst. So anything else that happens, you're okay with. Yeah. It. Well, Phil projects the worst and then lives there, and he's not prepared for anything. <laughs> Right. Right. And I think I wonder if that's like and this is this will sound counterintuitive, but like is the fear sort of like a security blanket because he's lived with different kinds of fear so long yeah. that it's like yeah. if it's not there, then he's unsettled. So you almost have to like create something in your head that brings Drama. that fear back mm-hmm. to give you a sense of comfort. Is that Am I getting too deep on that? No, it's I I had the same thing because I was raised in the same kind of cultural circumstances as Phil. And what helped me was worry is not responsibility, you know. So, hey, uh, I'm, I'm having a good day today. Yeah, well, shit can happen, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Just you wait. Yeah. It's early. So yeah. you got to worry about something because then you're responsible. Yeah. And then the worry just gets out of control and you're in a loop, I think. I think that's it. Yeah.
I, I'd also like to bring up something that he just said, which really stuck in my head. What? When he said, this never happened before. <laughs> so clearly, <laughs> clearly, the ending of the two packs of Oreos, this was not a one-time thing. No. It's a cycle. <laughs> it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> do you think he opens by. them and licks the cream or you think he just bites them with milk? How do you think he does? <laughs> I kind of think... hope he does the opening and because then it's they last longer. Yeah. Let me ask you this. You think it would be the same effect if he had one bag of Oreos with double stuff? Is that the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think either way. Yeah, you're going to get the same reaction. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, he needs to hear it. And even when he hears it, it, it's not enough. I just, I feel bad. I need to know that it's like, that that's what it is. It's just a temporary acid reflux and I'm going to be fine. I just need to know that concrete. You spoke to a cardiologist who told you that. Look, it's 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 agita. That's what it is. You know, Italians we call it agita, right? In certain Polynesian islands, it's called certain death. <laughs> That's where the idiot comes out of you. <laughs> She's shaking her head. That's where the idiot comes out in you, Adam. Thank you. Can't help himself. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, you're walking along, you're like, oh, look at this low piece of hanging fruit. Let me just... <laughs> hey, Phil. All right, so he, he he had a big burp and he feels better. He's not having a heart attack anymore. <laughs> That's good. That's idiot. good. <laughs> How many times have you given me bubbled water and I burp? I'm like, okay, how better? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I think I'm going to vomit. I don't know what it is. Drink this. Oh, thank you. That's, you know. <laughs> I think that's everybody. Yeah. That's a cure-all. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. That's one thing about marrying an Italian. There's always bubbled water around. It that's seems it. like the biggest solution to everything. That's it. But drink this here. Yeah. I, I, re- I remember I remember my, my, my grandfather, my mother's side, he would eat. He, 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 he ate like a garbage disposal. And... He would always get indigestion. He'd be sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden, you hear this: "Ah, oh, Lena, Lena, bring me a brioski." All right, <laughs> brioski. Yeah, I, I don't know what it looked like. like... Al- it looked like Alka-Seltzer. It made him burp, and he felt better. <laughs> all right, there you yeah. go. Well, the point of that call is, I wanted everyone to hear Phil's voice because I miss him. Uh, I was worried about him, and he's okay. Uh, so I want to thank, Good. I want to thank uh, Jim Carter. No, not that Jimmy Carter for uh, for writing in. Uh, I hope you got a little bit of a Phil fix. We miss and love him too. Yeah. Not only did Phil not have a heart attack. Thank God. Yes, thank God. Yes. Uh, but I think there's one more thing, a piece of information. I discovered during this call that I would like to pass on to you that Phil is a Kelpian. A Kelpian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm, I'm aware of what a Kelpian is yeah. because I'm a Star Trek fanatic uh and that is uh that is doug jones character uh captain saru on uh star uh star trek discovery yeah so you know that that kelpians are fear-based humanoid species yes yeah. yeah now captain saru was the first of his race to no longer live in fear and playing that character affected doug in real life you guys listen to this and we will see you on the other side what most people don't realize about fear is fear slowly begins to control your life when you don't understand what it is. A fear that we put into the universe and that we live in as, a, as an existence. Fear only has power over you when you don't share it. Now, your left breast, that, that's the nice one, right? <laughs> okay, this is not a time for jokes and humor and mocking. I am serious. I'm having heart attacks. Jesus. <laughs> You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. I'm up to here with this crap. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, meet me in Jersey. Friday, April 22nd, and Saturday, April 23rd, I will be at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. And then April 29th and April 30th, I will be at the Laugh It Up Comedy Club in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's a link for tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. We also have t-shirts. Yes, we have Abby Normal Recording Studio t-shirts. We have the Pod Has Ended Going Peace t-shirts. And we also have my special on YouTube. It is free. Both links are here in the show notes. All right, live long and prosper. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is an actor, contortionist, and mime. Just some of his movies include Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, The Shape of Water, Hocus Pocus, Batman Returns, The Rise of the Silver Surfer, and many, many more. He currently plays Captain Saru on Star Trek Discovery. He has double-jointed legs. He has had moths coming out of his mouth, and he shaves his head for work. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Doug Jones. How are you, pal? Well, that might be the most creative introduction I have ever uh, had. So thank you for that. I'm doing great. <laughs> you got it. Thanks for taking the time, my friend. I really appreciate it. And I haven't seen you since we did a pilot together. And I, I remember Rue McClanahan. I remember C. Thomas Howe with a terrible haircut. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember his haircut. It was awful. Okay. I was just a guest star as I played one of your friends. Yes. Uh, on Dads, it was called. Yeah. Dads. Yeah. And and you know what? Uh, it never saw the light of day, did it? Except for, did you know that uh, a lot of people came, got a hold of me to say they, they received a VHS tape in the mail yeah. for some survey company? Yeah. And like, do you like or do you not like this pilot? That's where our show was. <laughs> yeah. It didn't get picked up. But I think Nielsen sent it out for something. This was like, I was yeah. like, because I was like, why is this thing surfacing on my IMDb? It didn't yeah. get picked up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's good to see you, my friend, and you've gone on to do so many things. First of all, contortionist and mime. Let's start there. Because I did start there. Yes. <laughs> Which one yeah, came first? Yeah. yeah, the the contorting thing was kind of by by surprise accident. I didn't really real. I never I never developed a circus act. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty much a one trick pony. I can put my legs behind my head, but, and um, I didn't know I could do that until I was watching TV in a funny position as a kid. My brothers are like that looks weird and so i so i would say oh you think that looks weird let's try this then and so something else would happen so uh and i knew i could put one leg at a time behind my my head and then i was doing commercials a lot in uh -huh. my early days and the commercial auditions if you wanted to pull a funny trick out of your hat you know like well i can do this too right. and that, that booked me a few jobs well it was a Midas muffler commercial, I think. And uh, and the director said, we're going to put the second leg behind your head, too. And I was like, oh, sure. Not knowing I could do that, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, as we do, as we actors, like, oh, yeah, yeah I can totally. I've never done it before. So uh, so in the callback, that sure enough, they put they some some big muscly guy smashed my, my other leg back there. And it's like, it worked. It worked. I could do it. So that's how I found out I could. Look, I've lied about on like, you know, I can ride a horse, but this is this could have been breaking your leg. You just said, sure, go ahead, try it. I, I could be in a wheelchair today because of it. Who knows? But I uh, thank heaven it worked. <laughs> OK, now let me ask you, does, how did that lead to or did it lead to the mime stuff? The mime stuff uh, happened in college uh, independently of its uh, on its own. Mm. I, I was in a, a college at Ball State University in Indiana. Right. And I was in the dorm as a freshman, and there was a senior living down the hall from me who watched and observed me as I talked with my hands all the time, mm -hmm. a very expressive face on a tall, skinny kid with, you know, fuzzy hair. And he said, yeah, one day he approached me and said, have you ever heard of the art of mime? Because I run a mime troupe here on campus called Mime Over Matter. Uh -huh. Get it, Adam? I get it. 
you, you know the puns. Sure. So, so he, uh, so he asked me to come see one of their shows. I did. It was mesmerizing. And I auditioned for the troupe and I got in. So that's how the mime thing started for me. And then I kind of developed my own solo act that I did for a few years after I graduated college just to make some extra side gig income. Yeah, because if things don't go well at the act, you can fall back on the mime thing. Oh, please. Oh, that's the saddest statement I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm fascinated about the mime thing only because uh, I'm a big Bowie fan, and um, he studied mime. Uh, Lin, Lindsey Kemp was his teacher. Um, who has, I did not know that. Yeah, has since passed away. And yeah. um, But he actually taught him, he, he said in one of his books that he taught him control, body control. Um, and that body control helped him in other aspects of his life. I mean, as far as centering him and finding his voice and things like that. And even the stuff, because I, I studied Alexander technique for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not any comma, Doug. I still yell a lot. <laughs> but it, but, yeah, but honestly, training like that does uh, help give you a, a physical presence when you're on stage or on camera. It mm-hmm. does indeed. Yes, no, it, it it does work. It's just, oh, oh look, just because it doesn't work for me doesn't mean it doesn't work. <laughs> what are you kidding me? It's like no. Bitcoin. I have no clue. It's people making I, money, I, I, not me. You, you and me both. What are the kids doing with their money now? I don't understand. I don't know, but I ain't getting any of it. I know, right? <laughs> so you ha- so you're doing the you, you're doing commercials. You you have this training, right? And when you said this presence, because you play, you play a lot of character work i mean you're you're in like in costumes and suits and um so no one sees your face but yet the presence you have it's non-communicate it's it's, it's non-verbal communication and it's beautiful to watch because when i was doing my research on you just even your fingers and just the backstage stuff i saw the way you move to express yourself it's it's full communication without words i wish my family could do that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, you're Italian. That's not possible. Yeah, we talk for our hands for a different reason because you, you, do, you do it all. Yeah, we're passionate and, and, people. Yeah. You know what passion means, Doug? No emotional yeah. control whatsoever. That's what it means. That's what it means. Oh, by the way, side note. I know I know you were talking about me, but uh, while filming in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Star Trek Discovery, uh, I, I, I watch a lot of TV on my days off. And the W channel up there played one a movie of yours. Uh, it was a Little Italy, I think. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, or it took place in Little Italy in yeah. Toronto. Uh, you were married to Alyssa Milano, and you made me laugh. And that, it was a feel-good movie, and I, I it helped me through uh, some stressful times on uh, on my production. Thank oh, you. how sweet of you, my friend! Got a lot of Italians live up there. Canadian Italians, they, they they're kind of the same, but they they yell, but they smile at you. The other ones just yell and threaten you. Right, <laughs> right. They say sorry afterwards. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so how did so so how did you first get? into um what was your first gig as a a non-human if i if that's the correct Uh, term that would have been back in my commercial days um my very first gig as a non-human i was a dancing mummy in my very first commercial i ever did Mm -hmm. for southwest airlines uh but so that was human but dead uh my my next booking was a uh i did a i was a nerdy guy for bob's big boy but that was human Uh my third booking was an alien from outer space for a toy commercial for the pamela doll made by worlds of wonder Uh and uh and the creature effects guy that put that together on me uh was kind of well known in the business steve neal is Uh his name and then the next thing I booked after that was the Mac Tonight campaign for McDonald's. Yeah, the big moon. The big moon head that sang at a piano in the clock strike. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, that was also the moon head was, was constructed and, and sculpt, sculpted all by Steve Neal and his people. So he came, so he already knew who I was and that, and him knowing me kind of helped in my audition process. Like, Oh, we've worked with him. You want it. You know, he's a good, I was easy enough to get along with, I guess. So he said, thank heaven. So, so the Mac Tonight campaign became, kind of like a calling card for me. It was about a 27 commercial campaign over a three-year period. So mm-hmm. a lot of creature effects people were aware of who I was because of that. And then the being tall, skinny with a mime background, being flexible as a contortionist, like we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, all of that comes into play uh, as like the, the, uh, the, yeah, call him, you know, when they're, when they're designing a new tall, skinny, long-necked alien character or whatever. Yeah, that uh, even even in reading your background, the costume people are the ones that recommend you for these gigs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I, I owe them a lot. And 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 that and that's how you met uh, Guillermo del Toro. 
It is indeed. I got a call, a random phone call in 1997 from uh, Rick Lazzarini's shop saying, hey, we're doing this some reshoots on this movie. Can you work tonight? I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm free. You know, out of work actor, of course. I'm sure. So, uh, so that was that was Del Toro's first uh, American studio film. Mm-hmm. And um, so I met him. On my, I worked on it for three days. And my second day is when he sat across the lunch table from me and said, so tell me everything you've been in before. You know, he just wanted to eat up everything that I was. All right. And he was a 12-year-old fanboy tucked into this big man's body with big blue eyes and inquisitive face. And, mm-hmm. and uh, he just he was not like any director I'd ever met in my life before. He just uh, he loved creepy crawly monsters and mm-hmm. he could giggle with me about it. And so we kept in touch. Uh, uh, and then five years later, I got another call about Hellboy 1. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when, so that, that was the Abe Sapien role. So it was, again, relationships kind of build everything in our business as sure. you're well aware of, I'm sure. Yeah. So, so, but the, the nice thing about one of the, what makes a good director, and, and Guillermo actually said this, like he knows your strengths. So mm-hmm. you can do slightly menacing, you can do graceful, you can do slow moving stuff, but you're not the hard charging Hulk smash kind of monster. Right. Uh, Del Toro has been quite, yes. Yeah. I, I saw an interview. I, I saw this interview clip uh, where he was talking about Brian Steele, another, mm-hmm. another actor who does lots of rubber bits and me and Brian being more of a muscly athletic, mm-hmm. aggressive kind of like in, intimidating, imposing uh, monster actor. Whereas I'm more the, the upright, uh, elegant uh, hand, hand flowy, you know, spout off some poetry kind. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they dubbed your voice it's happened twice in my mm-hmm. career in English. Uh, uh, I've done a couple of foreign films that are dubbed over it. And that's for good reason. But um, Hellboy one and the silver surfer were two instances where um, I did do the entire role voice and everything, and then was dubbed over in post-production. So my contracts protect me from that happening now. Right. Cause that, that's because uh, no actor really wants to see that part of their performance replaced. I don't think anybody wants to, even though David Hyde Pierce and Lawrence Fishburne both did a beautiful job with, yeah. uh, with their, that they're, you know, very recognizable voices. It is what it is, what it is. Mm-hmm. So boy two, the golden army, I did do my own voice in that. And that was the promise that Guillermo told me or gave me when, uh, when I, when he informed me that I'd been replaced, uh, voice had been replaced in the first one. And I also voiced uh, the Hellboy animated films and the Hellboy video games. They, they made up to me. Here's the cool thing. One, he kept his word to you. Guillermo did. Yeah. And David Hyde Pierce did something very, very cool. He's, very unusual for an actor to do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he said here, and I have the quote, David refused to take credit because he felt that Abe, which was your character, was entirely Doug's creation and did not want to detract from his performance. Is that not the sweetest thing you've ever heard? I know. Yeah. I know. He he didn't show up at the premiere. He didn't do any press for the movie. He he and he took his name out of the credits. So it's on IMDb. But if you look at the actual movie, his name does not appear in the opening or the rolling credits at the end. And mm-hmm. that was his choice. So I, I I never would have asked for him to do that. I never you know he 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 did he did work on the film and and deserves credit for it. So for him to to take that away on his own volition was just the sweetest act ever. And I, I've never met him, but when I do, it's going to be a kiss on the cheek right there. I met, I met him once and he was a very nice man. I did a project with his husband and I met him once and he was very uh-huh. sweet. And, and I'm not surprised that he did that. Yeah. Just right, in my right, brief right. meeting. Yeah. With him. Everything I've heard about him, that makes that all adds up. Yeah. It all yeah. makes sense. And, and, and to the, to, they're trying to sell something, you know, that that's what the studios are doing. They're trying to sell. I a understood project. that part. Yeah. That, that was all above my pay grade. Those decisions. I totally get it. But, uh, but now, uh, I wouldn't want that to happen again. Good for you. Cause most actors, all right, look, I'll play a creature, but I still got to look like me, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Because the, fur- the further you you actually said this in uh, and I read an article where you said the further away from human you get, the more the more elaborate the costumes are and the more painful the makeup can be. Yes, that's very true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because if you're playing like uh, like Billy Butcherson from Hocus Pocus that I played, okay, that was a human who had been dead for 300 years. So there was some zombie makeup. Oh, I'm me. sorry. I thought you played Bette Midler. <laughs> only bet can play bet okay uh, as we found out and we just did hocus pocus 2 uh, which is coming to disney plus in uh, october this year yep. so i was able to reprise my role of billy but that was just another skin on top of my own skin i'm still upright on walking on two legs you know as a human so that's at the, at the easier end of things 
the far, like I said, the farther you get from human though. So if, you know, I've played giant insects, one was in Mimic and one was in another movie called Bug Buster. Mm-hmm. That's a fun one to look up. Randy Quaid was in it. And <laughs> anyway, I had a big fight scene, a hand to hand fight scene with Randy Quaid, me in a big, huge, giant bug suit uh-huh. and him in Coke bottle glasses and a military outfit acting like a crazy person. So it was really a hilarious uh, uh, finale scene for this movie. I, and that, that, of course, you know, I have a stinger coming out of my ass. I've got, you know, big wings. And I've got big pinchers on the front side of me. Uh, oh, it was a hell gig. How long? I mean, just just to go to make a look. I, we shoot 12, 14 hour days, you know, but you got to get yeah. there for makeup first. Right. Depending on depending on the character, yeah. my uh, uh, my makeup times are, are vary. you know, anywhere from two hours to seven hours a day, depending on how elaborate, how much is glued on or how much is slipped on and zipped up the back. Because mm. There's a difference between a suit and a makeup. And sometimes there's a combo of both. So. Uh, so, yeah, so my longest was the seven hours a day for Hellboy, the first Hellboy movie. Mm. Uh, prosthetic pieces glued to me from head to toe uh, and then air, uh, edges blended airbrushing paint on my shaved skin. It was just a, a long process. Uh, so yes, yeah, so my call times would be two, three in the morning while everyone else is c- coming in way later. And and uh, then I don't sleep much. I got forced calls almost every night. You know, we're supposed to have 12 hours. 12 hour turnaround, yeah. Wrap and turn right. Not today, bug boy. No, no, no. Yeah, but hefty penalties come with that. Thank goodness for our, our union that protects that. But, but, Oh my gosh, at some point you're like, I I've had enough penalty fees. Thank you. I want sleep now. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a long movie shoot. Yeah. Well, the thing, one of the things you said, and it's true on any set, but more, but, but, but not as important with you is don't complain. Yeah. You don't complain. Well, you're right. And actors are known for being divas and complaining about everything. Not me. I'm, I've never been that high up on the call sheet where I could throw a fit, you know? <laughs> Well, but you but you've heard you've heard the old saying, uh, uh, how do you make an actor complain? Mm. Give him a job. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. You know, because that's just kind of the nature of like, ah, so, you know, you start covering people with rubber bits. And the first thing is like, oh, this is hot. It's heavy. Does it have to hit like that? Does it have to? Ooh, ew. <laughs> so uh, makeup artists, creature effects guys, especially get that a lot. Yeah. And so when you're not doing that, and mm-hmm. when, you're say, when you when you realize what you said yes to and you go through and finish that job that you agreed to. They're like, oh, my gosh, he's so nice. Yeah. When I just think I'm being an average guy that day, you know. Yeah. What was the most painful, painful uh, character you had to play? Well, Suit wise. Uh, it, it's it's always hard to say most and best and least and worst. Mm-hmm. But but among them would be the ones that are that involve uh, uh, the glued on and the mechanics built into the head and face uh, when there's weight on your nose. So I mm-hmm. think the fawn from Pan's Labyrinth is a great example of uh uh, of an under an underneath mask that went over my nose, the bridge of my nose with some weight on it because the head had servos and motors and batteries built into it mm-hmm. that operated the eye movement of this face and the ears flapping. And, uh, and so that was all puppeteered. So I had noise in my head too, going <laughs> as the motors ran. Shit. I got noise uh, in my head, Doug. It don't sound like that. Right. That's tinnitus. So you can fix that <laughs> anyway, but, but, um, uh, but yeah, that, that with the glued on, it was a five hour makeup and, and, and costume application every day for the fawn. Mm. And, uh, I was also up on stilts. I was about seven feet yeah. tall. So that, so it just was discomfort was just what I did on that movie. Uh, and I couldn't even sit down between, between, uh, shot setups. I had to get on a bicycle seat and lean forward on a padded T-bar. That's the best they could do for me. Oh. So there was no reclining or, or, or uh, you know, rest for the Doug. Yeah, during those Doug's days. going deep. Now he's not. I went, I went deep. Yeah. And the older I get, Adam, the, 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 the less of those kind of roles I want to play. I'm, I'm more picky with what I say yes to now when it comes to rubber bits. Now, human roles, I'm, I want to play the Betty White thing and go until I'm 99 and a half. <laughs> All right. I got to ask, how do you pee? Well, depending on the costume design, you may not, right? Um, there was, on, I did, I did two of the ghost ladies on Crimson Peak. Mm-hmm. One was in a dress <laughs> that was fine. One was uh, a naked red lady in a bathtub, uh, and you know, very ghostly and like haggard and, and mm-hmm. you know, disfigured. Um, and so there was, I was in a glued-on 
naked suit okay. with no trap door anywhere for anything. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So the back end is like, okay, there's no, there's no way to fudge that. You, oh, I, I had to use the word fudge. Too much. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, oh gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Okay. So, uh, uh, so you do have to take care of any number two issues ahead of time. Just right. be sure that you're, you whatever, whatever that takes, I'll let you use your imagination uh peeing though if you you either dehydrate and mm-hmm. that's dangerous uh throughout the day or you do drink enough water to to live and then maybe have to pee at lunchtime and then at the end of the day well uh that they had to cut they had to cut my crotch open on that costume and let me pee before before i filmed a bit of the scene and then they had to glue it back up again so you know th- this is not an old person's uh job this is two young people that can handle this <laughs> Well, and and part of the thing they do is they'll hire you for the movie and then you got to play more than one character. It's happened. It's happened a couple of times. You know, it's happened for Guillermo del Toro more than anyone else. I, I played two characters in Pan's Labyrinth for him. That was the first time I ever did that. Mm-hmm. Then in Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, I played Abe Sapien again, mm-hmm. but I also played the Angel of Death and mm-hmm. the Chamberlain. All under one contract, that cheap ass. But, you know... <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, but Guillermo said to me once, he said, uh, uh, he used the F word, which I uh, say, so he said, Doug, you've effed yourself. Right. Uh, and I said, how do you mean? He goes, well, you're, you're too good at, at wearing costumes, so I have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> he just he feels like he, he just has to put me in everything. And that's the end of that. Yeah. My fault. Yeah. Well, you, you are good at it. I wanted to ask you this. I can't watch myself. I remember the first time I saw myself on the big screen. And Doug, I was my mole looked like a ring ding. I was like, oh my God, what is that thing? And we're at a premiere with the Ziegfeld. I'm sinking into my seat. My wife is elbowing me. She goes, would you please sit up? Kevin Klein is looking. Stop being an actor for 10 minutes. Can you watch yourself? I can. Now, when you're wearing, uh, I have much harder time watching myself in my human role. Yes, that's what I meant. That's that much. I, I'm very, very picky as, as well. Any physical flaw, I will just zero in on that and be like, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. where did those strings in my neck come from <laughs> ah, or whatever? Uh, but, but but that's the beauty of of a career under lots of rubber bits is that like I can watch that and be like, oh, what a gorgeous design. Oh, and, and the most picky I'll get is watching my acting choices while mm-hmm. in that makeup you know maybe oh i missed a beat there i missed a joke there i missed a you know if it, whatever it is yeah and you it, it's an acting gig i mean when i was again when i was researching you you said the silver surfer was not like you he was he was philosophical he was statuesque and all the things i'm not and yeah, exactly so i did have to f- channel something that wasn't me yeah uh, i do i talk with my hands a lot you mm-hmm. would think i'm italian but i'm actually welsh uh, and, uh, uh, so, so the surfer did not have to emote with it. He didn't have to like shake his hands around. So you're sure to get the point. Mm-hmm. He could stand there quietly and coolly and calmly and say what he had to say and give you his eyes that buried, you know, into your soul. Mm-hmm. And that was enough for him. He had the confidence to do that. I do not. So I had to really find, uh, that center and that that confident place to emote the silver surfer from that was a toughie. Yeah. Do you? Uh, is there an emotion connected to a body part that you can you know in your bag of tricks? As you've done this so many times to have to find places physically. Because I have angry hips, Doug. I'm telling you right now. They're angry. 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 Because <laughs> you don't use them enough, or what? I I, I don't know. know. There's some trauma there, <laughs> and my knees need to forgive. <laughs> But uh, but finding finding emotion in body parts that's a great that's a really great question, Adam. I, I uh, uh, you uh, the, the pelvis does does inform some sexy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my hands do inform sometimes intellect or uh, or, um, exp- or exposition. Like you know, if you're trying to explain something in detail, I, the hands come in handy mm-hmm. <laughs> for that. And uh, a tilt of the head can can you know can bring out the curiosity or the horror. Uh, of a situation and and the feet uh, I'm playing Star Trek on Star Trek Discovery I play uh, Saru a Kelpian uh, alien and the design of that they put me in these hoof boots so my feet are not human feet they're actually hoof feet like an like an antelope or a, mm-hmm. a deer so with those funny shoes they put me in the first time so I could I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to even stand or walk in those so my test fitting of those boots I was walking around the costume area and 
uh, and it worked. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm actually standing and walking in these. But it changed my posture a bit yeah. to where my hips had to go forward a bit to center over the ball of the foot instead of the heel. Mm -hmm. And that put my arms dangling just slightly behind where they normally would be. So my arms could sway side to side behind me instead of, instead of uh, you know, like, like we normally walk as humans. So that side to side sway the behind me has become kind of a signature of Saru's. And it's so he's kind of like, he walks with the confidence of a supermodel. And yet he lived in fear for the first season and a half of the show. So it was a, it was an interesting mix of, uh, of things, but, but that walk has become the biggest talking point of anyone ever interviewing me for that show particular or for fans too. It's like, who came up with the walk? Yeah. How do you do that walk? Oh my gosh. It's so unique that walk. Yeah. So uh, it's really nice. Sweet. It's sweet to hear, but the, the boots, I, I owe the costumer Gersha Phillips a lot for giving me those boots too, because every character I play, uh, I have the challenge now that I've been at it for 36 years, uh, I have the challenge of how do I make this character different from all the other ones I played before this? Yeah. I'm only one guy with only so many, so many tricks and, and so only so much, uh, you know, uh, ecosystem to work with. So I have, you know, have to find something new. And so those boots helped. Yeah. So not only do you have to wear all that makeup as Captain Saru, but the dialogue, I mean, did you ever, how do you, how do you talking through a mask with all that jargon from other planet jargon? This has, has ever presented a problem? Yes, yeah. Uh, because I have, I have a, a you know about a half inch of silicone rubber yeah, yeah. my entire face around my lips and everything, so it does make my speech. And as through my nose is a bit covered up. I've got tunnels from my real nose out to nostrils that are on the sides of my cheek. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it it creates a nasally mm, sort of sound where I have to over enunciate in order to get my lips to form the right words uh and there's a lot of those words science fiction dialogue is is not everyday speak yeah and your nostrils are on the side of your head which means you can you can smell a fart from off camera nobody likes that <laughs> and if you're next to me uh i got you <laughs> <laughs> i'm on to you and you you mentioned something about um kelpian is the the race of people that that right. your character's from and you mm -hmm. lived in fear and i i was reading about the character and he went through a metamorphosis, which turns out to be, for lack of a better word, the adolescence, and the fear was taken away from him. Am I accurate in that? Yeah, you are. Yeah, it's called uh, that phase of life for uh, for us is called uh, Vaharai, and uh, we were living on a planet uh, being being oppressed by a, an aggressive uh, species called the Baul. Mm -hmm. They had us kind of under their thumb, and uh, they had us convinced that 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 when we reached Vaharai, that that was going to be the end of our lives, and we would go crazy, mad, and and get terribly ill. And they did mercy killings to to take to you know uh, to help us avoid that traumatic time of life that would be the end of our life. Well, little did I, I was the first Kelpian to leave my planet and join Starfleet and be a member of a, of a crew on a ship, a starship. So I'm going through Vaharai on my own at the, at when the right age came mm -hmm. for me thinking, oh, this is when we die. This is what I've been told all my life that this is where we die, but not having the Ba'ul there to do a mercy killing. I ended up getting through it and my threat ganglia fell out of my head and I was like, oh, and now I was all of a sudden living in, in no fear. It was, it was like, you know it was like getting a cancerous tumor cut out of you. It's like, I'm so better now. Uh -huh. So, um, so that was, that was kind of a great personal journey to go on with Saru. That was because I, as Doug Jones, I'm a worry wart and I live in fear most every day and anxiety. If I can't see tomorrow, I'm a terrified of it. Right. Testify brother. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, a lot of comedians have to share this with me. So I, I yeah, I know you get me. So, um, so uh, uh, seeing Saru uh, and playing him through this uh, as he pushes his fear aside and, and overcomes it, the circumstances around him have not changed really, mm -hmm. but what's changed is his reaction to those circumstances. Do we learn a lesson in that, Adam? I'm hoping. Okay. I'm going to get, I'm going to get me some hoof boots as soon as this interview is okay. over. <laughs> That'll help you with all your woes. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the character kind of gives me permission not to bring my own bullshit into a role. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. That's really great. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a, a great best example is just recently I was preparing my tax information for accountant Marv. Mm -hmm. uh, and every year that is a week of my life that is just filled with terror and anguish. And what if I get this wrong? 
oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I, I want to be honest and write about all this. And what, am I missing a piece of paper that's crucial to the numbers here? This year, it was like, everything's going to be fine. It always is fine. You always have the, and if you don't have the information you need, you make a phone call to the people that do have it. You're mm-hmm. going to be fine. Yeah. So I actually got through tax season without the stress of, uh, and the anguish and the fear that it was all going to not work out because it all, it did work out and we're all good. Yeah. It's like, so same exact thing happened as it does every year, but I handled it differently because I, my perception of it was different. My reaction to it was different this year. So yes, yes. What have you taken? So that's what you got from Saru. What did you take? And can you articulate anything you took from the silver surfer? Yeah. uh, That less is more like we were talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That if you want to get a a point across, I think I learned something just not even from my personal life is from my personal and my acting life Mm -hmm. uh, is that when you, uh, when you want to make a, 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 uh, a poignant moment happen, Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I shake my head around a lot when I talk and, uh, uh, I actually learned this from the silver surfer that like holding still and just saying what needs to be said while you maintain eye contact really gets the point across better than shaking your head around. And, uh, you know, I I was doing a movie called my name is Jerry as a human. Mm -hmm. I played the the title role of Jerry, a mid midlife crisis, uh, you know, about to happen kind of a character. And the boss lady, uh, my, my, my boss lady in the movie was played by, um, uh, she was the mom on seventh heaven for all the, all those seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Catherine Hicks, uh, would play my boss and my name is Jerry. And <clears throat> so she, she had a nickname for me for, throughout the entire film. She called me Jerry Berry, mm-hmm. kind of a cute little, Hey, Jerry Berry. And Jerry was kind of like a down on his luck, kind of like, you know, guy who hadn't found his little, his confidence. Uh, but at the end of the movie, he has. And he looks at her and says, actually, it's just Jerry. And I was doing this take after take after take and kept moving my head around. Like, actually, it's just Jerry mm-hmm. with my head flying all over the place while I said it. And the director kept coming in going, Doug, I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not finding this confidence yet. Can, can, so he, and he wasn't getting directly telling me. Catherine Hicks finally said, did something that actors aren't supposed to do. She said, I know we're not supposed to do this. Would you take some direction from me if I gave? I said, Catherine, for crying out loud, yes, I'm having a hard time here. She said, don't move your head. I said, thank you. Thank you. Okay, okay, okay. So I did the next take. I didn't move my head. I maintained eye contact. And then the director came in going, that was it. Perfect. Great. And so Catherine, she kind of did the fist down. Yes, he gave me a fist bump after after the cut was yelled. So I, I felt good about all of that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that, that's nice. When the, I worked with Leary for years and all I all I got out of him was make me laugh, fucker. That's what I got. <laughs> that's some great direction. That was a direction. <laughs> Well, yeah, well pl- that's, that, that reminds me about another piece of direction I got from Guillermo del Toro while we were doing Hellboy to the Golden Army. You know, we, you know, I've known him for many years and we have a shorthand with each other. So I was doing a, a particular scene that was all involving props and picking props up and using them. And he just did one tracking shot all the way around me on a, on a track. So I did it the first time. And at the end of the take, he goes, cut, Doug Jones, you're boring me to tears. <laughs> That's all he had to say. I knew how to fix it. Got it. Okay, good. But that's good when you get a shorthand with yeah. with somebody. I mean, that's especially like you don't want to spend any more hours in the makeup than you have to. Right. Right. You know, I'll tell you one of the things that I enjoyed uh, when I was researching you was you don't stop working, brother. And that's the name of this friggin' game. God bless you. At this point, glue a horn on my head. I don't care. You know, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That's very kind of you. And it's not it's not because I hit the pavement and really, you know, do the work. It's uh, I answer the phone and I say I say yes to things that hit that strike me right. That's Yeah, but it's also listen. because you do the job like you said, you don't complain, you do the job and that yeah. that's how you get the next one because it's it's all word of mouth. Everyone does their homework on everybody, you know? Yeah, they do. They do. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So, well, thank you for for that. Yeah, well, thank you for taking the time, man. I really enjoyed uh, talking with you. I really admire um, uh, the, all the work you put in, the commitment you have to your art, and uh, I want to wish the best to you and your family, my friend. Oh, thank you, Adam. Let's let's do another sitcom again one day soon, you and me. As long as it gets picked up, right? Let's let's let's, let's make this one go on air and not just on VHS for, <laughs> for a, a very select test audience. Yeah, be okay. well, pal. My name is Doug Jones, and that is thirty minutes I'll never get back.
I really enjoyed talking to Doug. Mm-hmm. What a multi-talented guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved hearing you guys talk, but I think my favorite thing, Adam, mm. is that you're getting all this great education in the world of Star Trek, which means we're going to Comic-Con this year. Okay? <laughs> Get ready. It's going to be fun. I'll go with you. I'm telling you right now, I'm not wearing them hoof shoes. I ain't. <laughs> I'm not. Who, who created the walk? Yeah. Scoliosis. My spine is bent from these damn shoes. First of all, I cannot picture Adam going to Comic-Con. I cannot picture you. Why? Because you're like, what the hell is he wearing? No, I would go. You would? I would. You know why I would go? I would go look at the celebration of people that are here in their own environment. You know? Yeah. Just look at the, everyone's going. First of all, we're not going because of the parking. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) Okay, that's one. I'm I'm not sitting in traffic. Two. Yeah. Two. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah. I don't mind seeing do- a multi-Doctor Strangers walking on the highway, but I'm not I'm not sitting in traffic to go. If, if they come to the house, I'll look at them, but I'm not. <laughs> There's no way you're not going to judge someone's costume. Like, why but if you, is he wearing Yeah. That? I mean, I mean, yeah. Okay, look. If, uh-huh. if, 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 if there's more person than costume. <laughs> there you go. The comic in you will come out. Yeah, but I but if you look at people that they're in their element, and this is a celebration, mm-hmm. rather than I don't understand and I'm judging it, it's just that then you get the joy out of it. You yeah, know? yeah. It's, as you said, it's a celebration. It's, it's somebody who's like, this is what I love. And and I'm in a place where like everyone else around me is into this. So, you know, we're all we're all going to have a great time together. It's, uh, you know, for like the history of nerdism, mm-hmm. there was a lot of time where it was like you couldn't do stuff like that because you're getting stuffed into a locker. People are like, hey, Star yeah. Trek nerd. All right. Yeah. I'm over here. But I love I, I've, I've never been. But I know people love it, and I, I think it would be kind of cool to check out sometime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. I got, I, I think about nerdism. I, I just did an interview with Scott Thompson from The Kids in the Hall. <laughs> I love The Kids in the Hall. That's yeah. so great. He's such a great guy. And uh, we, we both nerded out because we both like stoic philosophy. And uh, we both found, Epictetus, you too? Yeah. So <laughs> I get it. I need a, a button right now that does snoring. Yeah. <laughs> Really? So that's great. So my wife, she's 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 worried about me judging people at Comic Con, but I'm boring the hell out of her. It's just that presentation just now. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Epictetus. Do I have to be on that episode? Can I? Can we get Phil for that one? Well, I do want to talk about his the boots. Yeah. I could relate to that. Go ahead. Um, as a woman or as anyone, mm-hmm. when I'm wearing like bare feet i feel away when i put on my walking boots mm-hmm. i feel a certain way when i put on my stilettos mm-hmm. i feel a certain way i will tell you this when you put on your stilettos i feel a certain way <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny though is i found out uh heel speed with my wife you know we're going down red carpets she's like heel speed heels 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 okay <laughs> slow it up pal mm-hmm. yeah slow it up. yeah but there's so much truth to that like i mean charlie chaplin but putting on that outfit he does. Yeah. Became a little tramp. Yeah. 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 It's powerful. Well, it's, it's, I mean, just as a fan, it was so cool to hear. Cause you've seen, I've seen Doug in a million things and you don't always know who it is because he's just, he's, you know, in this amazing makeup in these costumes, but to hear the story behind it, sort of how the sausage is made. When I see him in pan's labyrinth, I'm thinking like, this is just visually amazing. When he's describing it as all you hear are little motors whirring, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> you know it, it, that like, I mean, I don't know, that, that just was cool to me to hear the process of everything you got to go to for those elaborate sort of characters. It was cool for you. It, it was it caused me a great deal of anxiety because I'm like, I got to shoot a 12 hour day and I got to be there four hours for makeup. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Some people say it's like meditative. I saw a behind the scenes of Avatar mm-hmm. and they're saying that you just kind of understand it's going to take that long so they use that time to just kind of chill out and meditate right yeah, yeah. no i i understand it but i'm still going to bitch and moan i can't <laughs> here's the thing you want to get you want to hear an actor complain give him a job that's pretty... <laughs> I love that. that was such a great line yeah, that's pretty yeah. much it's pretty much it's like we're always worried about getting work so that's the the desire i gotta i gotta i gotta they want to get it now and then the fear kicks in when you get a job how am i gonna do this holy shit can i just okay that's not enough you know <laughs> Living your life in fear, like a Kelpian, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I and by the way, I know you guys have. I don't know if you guys have 
Alex, I don't think you've watched Discovery. I know you watch those kind of shows, but the transformation of mm. that character that he plays, Captain Saru, it, it was amazing to watch. It was a, First of all, it was a great plot line. Mm. And to see the episode where he, there's a physical thing that happens and all of a sudden he loses that fear. Just the way he would walk around and you could hear it in his voice, this confidence that wasn't there earlier, even though he's this high-ranking member of the ship mm. and, and basically a captain of it. Like, it was... It was a really cool character, and I just love the concept of like, all right, you've been lied to your whole life, essentially about what's going to happen if this if you you reach a certain age, and and then to break through that, you know, it I don't know, it was just really it was a really cool sort of empowering character in development. Yeah, that's what hit me: the fact that he lived in a fear that was based in a, on a lie. Yeah. That's the worst kind yeah. of fear to me. Yeah, because you know when you're in fear, you give up your power. When you give up your power, what do you have? You have you have multiple heart attacks every day. That's what you have. <laughs> you have two bags of Oreos, a big glass of milk, and you have a decision to make. That's why I am so glad that there are no Oreos on Saru's planet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. The other creatures would be feeding them to be like, see, you're going to have heart attacks. Mm -hmm. These Oreos. Yeah. Yeah. No. Here's no, the cure. Was... Eat Now you got to eat two bags of it. You got to eat two bags. <laughs> it's the cure. Trust me. <laughs> but it was it was cool to see that character sort of break through all of that. Uh, you know, it was just this amazing transformation because anytime that somebody breaks through from fear, you know, whether it's somebody you see in real life or you're watching this character go through this transformation, I think that's one of the most empowering things you can really see. It, it just was cool. Well, that's why I like what he said. He said the circumstances um, around him didn't change, but his reaction to those circumstances changed. Yeah. Yes. That's very powerful. Yeah, because it's not coming from fear. It's it's regaining your power. Yeah. Yeah. I now, he did say something else that really kind of intrigued me, Adam, mm. when he said he's taken things from characters and sort of applied them in his real life. Yeah. And I thought, well, I've got a good friend named Adam who's a really great actor and he's played all these different characters. There's got to be stuff that, or I would think, I don't know, is there stuff that you've taken from a character you've played and said, you know what? Actually, this applies to me yeah. and I can use this. When I was playing uh, uh, Chief Needles on uh, Rescue Me, I realized Needles and me both cannot wear white shirts. They make us look blousy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good that's a good lesson to know. I yeah. look like a marshmallow on screen. What the <laughs> hell is this? I'll tell you one thing he did to me scared the hell out of me. Mm. They did some sort of scene on Rescue Me. He came home with makeup, blood and everything. And oh, he, yeah. And he knocked on the door and I opened it like, what? The? So mm. oh, it's just me. Yeah. There was an ex we did an explosion scene and I had stuff all over me. And I just uh, they said, I'll take your makeup off. I go, no, I'm wearing it home. <laughs> There's an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> that was not good. You could have given me Anjana or, or heart attack. <laughs> Anjana. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, how, that's how beautiful you are. You make indigestion sound like an anime creature. <laughs> I tell you, you know, you know what I will tell you. I got from an, a character I played, and I, I actually put it in my journal when I was playing. Um, uh, Frank on uh, on Jackie, yeah, Nurse Jackie. So I was playing that character, and it was a scene. It was early in the morning, and I had to apologize. My character had to apologize to Edie's character, and I had to get there quicker. You know, I just had to. I didn't have time to go through. No, I'm not wrong, and here's why. I didn't have time to go through my own my own cycle <laughs> of bullshit before I realized I'm sorry. Right. You know, so I just had to say it. And what I what I wrote in my journal after that was, I'm not. I have to get past admitting I'm wrong. I'm I'm not admitting something to somebody else. I'm asking them to forgive me. So I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it's yeah. separate. Yeah, it's like I, the first the resistance I had was admitting I did something. The next step is asking somebody to forgive me what I did. Asking for forgiveness rather than admitting a fault. Uh, I, I got to the second part quicker. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you explain it to me? Because I'm really not quite sure. <laughs> Just know one thing, Adam. What? You're trying to be a better person. I am. That's all it It's not working, and I'd like some Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a whole YouTube video on how to eat Oreos. There is? By the way, yeah. It's fascinating. Mm. Like, you have to turn it a certain way because you don't want to break. You don't want to separate the frosting. Right. I, I got sucked into it. 
What there is. is? Is this what you do? You just when, I, when I'm on the road, you're watching Oreo videos. <laughs> I do like to learn about different things, Adam. Okay, fine. <laughs> I like to just add to my tool toolcase mm. of life. There's there's <laughs> videos of people popping zits. No, I don't like that one. Yeah, no. I, what, do we have to document all of this kind of stuff? Some people like it. At? Yeah, they get like millions of hits. They like watching stuff come out. Ew. Yeah. It's just yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is yeah. either. I'm I'm just. Uh, you know, yeah, and I want to put on my fan hat again, you know, because I, I always come into this is like I just love TV and movies and characters. Mm. And what you guys talked about with David Hyde Pierce, first of all, the unbelievably gracious gesture that uh, the Doug was talking about where he didn't want credit for that character. Yeah. And then you sort of backing up and telling what a wonderful person he was as a fan. You you grow to love characters and the actors behind them, mm-hmm. you know, and you want them to be that great. Yeah. In real life. And you're always kind of afraid to find out when you when you find out that they actually do back that up. It's it's just amazing. So that was mm-hmm. that was really cool to hear about David Hyde Pierce. I thought. Yeah, he was yeah. he was. I only met him once. He was a very sweet man, and I was not surprised that that was the the choice and action he took. And I like the fact that Guillermo del Toro promised him in the next film, "We'll use your voice," and he he stayed true to that promise. Love that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. And quality. what a cool. What a cool. He's not going to pay him for multiple characters, the bastard, but still. <laughs> that like, was pretty smart. Yeah. If I was a director, if yeah. I could find someone to do like three roles and pay him the same wage. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of smart. Yeah. I mean, just, just even when he was telling me like he was on stilts and he couldn't sit down, he had to sit on a bicycle and slump himself over the handlebars. That. <laughs> That was all, me all through junior high school. <laughs> I was like, when is this world going to comply to my wishes? <laughs> no, I know it gives you an appreciation again when you see how the sausage is made. You're mm-hmm. like, you know, because you've heard these stories about the guy that played the alien and aliens. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, the elaborate costuming and stuff they got to go through. And, and virtually every character that it seems Doug plays is is like that and i love that he's embraced it you know he said you know he just doesn't complain and he's like okay this is my gig and i'm happy to have it i guess i'm not gonna pee today put on the wig (laughs) you (laughs) asked the most important question how do you pee i was on this retreat yeah and we were going on like 10 mile hikes 15 mile hikes Mm -hmm. and they they said okay when you go to the bathroom you have to pick it up you know you can't leave it there on the trail and all this kind of stuff I timed my poops. There's no way I was going to poop and pick up my own poop and carry it. Well, let's back up. Pick it up and carry it home. You're walking with yes. a bag of shit yes. on a retreat. <laughs> yes. I even timed out my pee correctly, where if you drink a certain amount to keep hydrated, mm-hmm. I didn't have to go to the bathroom because I sweat it out. Okay. All right. And so I never peed or pooed on the trail. <laughs> Wow, I I, I, w- I would try not to poo, but I would pee on the lady that told me to pick up my own poo. That's what I would do. <laughs> it's just raining. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Want to yeah. buy an umbrella? <laughs> <laughs> That's, by the way, as, as the intro to the the retreat. I'm like, yeah, you, oh, okay. You don't find well, out at the beginning. You find out once you're there. Oh, my you got to pick up your own poo. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I yeah. totally get, but uh, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Putting in mm-hmm. my... Mm-mm. You know what? I, I would learn mime from Doug Jones just so I could mime I was taking a dump. Just to have them come over. <laughs> you got to pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing there. <laughs> I mimed it. <laughs> That's too funny. Yep. How about that? He's, he was a mime and a contortionist. Well, he wasn't really yeah. a contortionist. He could put his foot behind his head and his brother's That's a goes, contortionist in my book. That, okay. Yeah, that qualifies. I guess I can't And then that, the director you know? says, can you put the other one? Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> I know. I know. But uh, but that was cool. Like, I'm terrible at body control stuff like mm-hmm. yoga. So mime would be no good for me. But but like I, the fact you guys are talking about David Bowie, I had no idea. Yeah, that yeah. David Bowie was into mime and for that reason for like the performance he would do on stage that was that was kind of cool to me boy was around for 10 years doing stuff you remember uh space oddity there was a big gap between that and ziggy and ziggy stardust was the album that really launched him and he he took everything he knew he took kabuki theater mime he put in there space travel so yeah it it helped him uh it helped him find his voice yeah I, i heard that football players they take 
ballet to have the balance and the yeah, grace. I, I, I don't think Antonio Brown ever took one of those classes. I, <laughs> <laughs> sure not. Yeah, but offensive linemen for like the movement, that they, the foot movement and stuff like that. I know players have taken judo, things that, you know, really mm-hmm. sort of like body control type exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, it would, but, see, it would uh, seem like a big thing for wide receivers because they need to control their body more than, you know, linemen yeah. just got to run you over. Mm-hmm. But that's when you see what you can do. That's why wide receivers need that ballet thing. And Guillermo del Toro noticed the strengths, Doug's strengths, and then the other guy that plays the monster strengths. So Doug was like a wide receiver, mm-hmm. and the other guy was like a lineman or a linebacker. And I think the way he described the monster is mm-hmm. more scary. When the monsters that I see that are more scary to me, mm-hmm. they're silent. And they just look at you. Well, yeah, because they're characters. <laughs> the mo- they're characters. Yeah, that, those, those are, are scary. Yeah, they are. Monsters that can think. God, and work for the IRS? Terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, terrifying. Well, I want to thank Doug Jones for being my guest. Uh, He he was a a very interesting guy. I'm glad he made time for us. And my wife is going to start watching Star Trek Discovery now. Yes. You'll love it. Yeah. We have T-shirts. Yes, we do. And we have a free comedy special on YouTube. Both links are in the show notes. If they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Anapurra at Gmail. Uh, Please leave us a review. That helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. And always remember that life is hard. You take it easy on yourself. Hard has ended. Go in peace. Look, it's 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 agita. That's what it is. You know, Italians we call it agita, right? In certain Polynesian islands, it's called certain death. <laughs> certain death in Hawaiian is pronounced kekahimake. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home. It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.